Hey, I want to welcome everyone back to the Waxing Podcast and also to welcome my guest, Mariana, who is coming from Florida. It's been a really long time since I've had like a Florida guest on. So I feel, you know, we we're in the same kind of area. Um, so welcome. Thank you. It's so nice to be speaking to you again after meeting you in person. So I'm excited to be here with you. Yes. And so Mariana is a franchise owner, which is really exciting. I have not had the chance to do an interview with someone like her yet. And on top of it all, I had the pleasure of getting to meet her in Denver, Colorado, Um, Colorado, Colorado. That's also a big battle in itself. I lived there for a year and never figured out which one it is, by the way. Um, and we got the chance to meet at a waxing (laughs) the city event. So, um, you know, this is just so cool that I got to experience what it was like to be like a part of, even though I was there as a vendor, a part of like a franchise community. And now I'm excited to really break down like the life of you. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so getting really started and we'll get into like the waxing the city event in -hmm. a little bit, but I really wanted to, you know, go back in time a little bit and just talk about your beginnings in the beauty industry. Um, where did you start and how did you end up, you know, I guess, how did you end up owning a franchise, which is a really loaded question. So maybe just how did you start in the beauty industry? (laughs) So, um, (laughs) the beauty industry is actually a second career for me, which is kind of like, I feel like it's kind of backwards. I feel like people first start out in the beauty industry and then tend to, you know, kind of diversify after that. But it actually is my second career. Um, I didn't become an esthetician until I was in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was like 32, maybe I would say. Yeah. So, cause like six years, yeah, probably about six years, um, ago. So I was in sales. Um, I was after college, I got into, um, selling 18 wheelers out of all things. So I was in a very male dominant industry and I stayed in the auto industry for a while. It just kind of fell into it. Um, my dad was in the auto industry and when I was graduating college and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, it honestly just kind of like an opportunity presented itself. And I always had the mindset of like, let's try it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I got in the auto industry, um, and I always wanted to be in the beauty industry. It was something I always wanted to do. I absolutely loved it. Um, I remember getting my first wax when I was, I want to say I was like 20 and I was so intrigued by it. I was like, I, I feel like I really want to do this. So, so did you get into the beauty industry for waxing or cause it's like, I don't have, you don't meet that many people that actually uh-huh. like were intrigued with waxing from the jump, you know? I did. I actually, that's what I fell in love with. Every time I went to get a wax. I was like, I really want to do this. I want to repair out of people. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I mean, fair. Um, And yeah, I don't know what it, you know, I can't say there was like one specific thing that really intrigued me about it, but I just found it really interesting. I was always a um, like 
crafty art type of person. So just anything aesthetically pleasing made me happy. And, but there was just something about hair removal that really, really intrigued me. So I worked in the auto industry for a while. And then um, I had an unfortunate event happen. Um, My dad unexpectedly passed away when I was 29. And it was very unexpected. He was very young. And I just felt like you start to reevaluate life, right? Like, yeah. What's well, first, I'm really sorry to hear about that. And yeah. I've had um, a couple of stories of people that come on here with these, you know, same situations like you just said, and you mm-hmm. just said it perfectly like everyone else. It does really make you step back and reevaluate. Yeah. Just, you know, what makes you happy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you're like, okay, life, it really is short. Uh, so why keep being miserable? Mm-hmm. And not that I was miserable, but I just, I knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. So luckily, uh, you know, my husband was super supportive and I was like, mm, I think I want to go work in the beauty industry. And mind you, I was not an esthetician. I did not have a license. I didn't go to aesthetic school yet, but I had management experience and I was like, I'll find something. I'm sure I can get into a salon and like figure it out. Um, so I got into a different franchise. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so, and this is when you graduated. So, okay. When you graduated, did you want to be a practicing esthetician or did you want to be like a manager? And like, this is only my question because I know now you're a franchise owner. So like, where so was your this head is actually? So this is actually before I even went to aesthetic school. Okay. So I went in, um, like on track to manage studios, basically. So I was working, um, in the studio, I was managing, I was not doing services and I was just kind of, you know, absorbing everything I could about the industry. Again, it was, you know, waxing franchise, not waxing the city. Did you find yourself? I have. So that's like so interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just no, that's okay. I like would love to kind of know, like, as someone who was not a practicing waxer working Mm -hmm. in like a franchise managing other waxers, like, did you find any like advantages or disadvantages of just like being in that role? Because a lot of the times, like, you you would think like, okay, to manage means like you were a practicing waxer, like, you know, because I'm like waxers are coming to you with xyz problems that you may or may not be like related to if that makes sense but like do you just learn it as you work yes um definitely just especially there was kind of sink or swim and learn as you go Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean I remember there was a time where you know someone one of the waxers was waxing someone and they were doing very big areas, you know, very big strips. Mm -hmm. And the client had flinched and closed their legs. And now their labia was. Oh my God. (laughs) Stuck together. (laughs) Waxed shut. Um, And everyone was freaking out. And obviously me not being an esthetician, I can't go in and try to fix the problem and, you know, touch the client. And I mean, really the only solution at that point is you just got to rip it off. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so things like that were definitely a disadvantage. Um, there, no one really cared whether I was an esthetician or not, just because the principles of the company were very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I found waxing the city after, I think it was about a year mm-hmm. of working there. Um, oddly enough, my husband actually discovered waxing the city and he brought it up to me and was like, Hey, have you ever heard of this company before? And I said, no, I I haven't. What's this? It was, I want to say it was like 2015 that this happened, like very early 2015, maybe even late 2014, Mm -hmm. um, that he brought waxing the city kind of to my forefront. And he was like, oh, well, this is a, it's a franchise and there's no locations here in Massachusetts. Um, You know, if this is something that you want to do as a career, like, let's look at the bigger picture. He was like, all right, let's take a look. So we got on the phone with the franchise um, people at Waxing the City that, you know, sell the franchise licenses and stuff. And I was really intrigued by it. One, I want, my biggest concern was what was the difference between the two franchises? For sure. Yeah. And so what were some like noticeable things that you found about Waxing the City that you did like? Like what were some of those phone calls and those decisions that you were like, okay, so like this seems like something more long-term that I would really stick by? So back in twenty. 15 when these conversations were happening it was very early on in the waxing the city franchise as a whole brand um so it was still very small um they were awesome just the way that they talked about the brand and how positive everything was really intrigued me um the fact that they focused on customers um and the service quality was priority, mm-hmm. as well as they looked at, um, you know, aesthetics as a career, not so much just a. I don't. I don't really know how to uh, how to explain it, but it just it felt like they cared about everyone as a person, not just like a number. Yeah. And I think going to the event that I went to in Denver, it was just very apparent that it's because they are waxing estheticians. And so having that background and realizing like a lot of people think that waxing is like a joke, right? It's like, oh, like, you know, how many times I've been asked in my treatment room, like what else I do? Did I have Mm -hmm. to go to college to do this? Like, you know what? Like I've been literally asked, what am I going to tell my son when I get older, like what I did when he was little. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) But like, I think like having maybe, you know, women franchise owners who also waxed takes Mm -hmm. that career more serious, right? They're like, no, I, I made a lot of money doing this, right? It's like, people don't realize like owning a waxing business, like, you know, being a waxer, you can make more than what people are going to college for 10 years for like, Oh, 100%, you know, and it's doable and it's not something that's not feasible. Like, and I liked that about Waxing the City. I could tell that they really do value their estheticians because they were, they were one. And so that's what I took from that event, which was really cool. Absolutely. And 
they actually, they flew us out to Denver Mm -hmm. before we even signed anything. Um, And they wanted us to just meet everyone. So Summer and Alex are, you know, two of the founders of Waxing the City. uh, And Marilyn um, is also amazing. And so they flew us out and we got to meet them and just hang out with them and ask questions. And it was just in such a comfortable and kind of, you know, chill, no pressure environment. It was really, we were there to just learn and they were so open and forthcoming with their experiences. And really what honestly I say I drank the orange Kool-Aid is (laughs) they had me go get services done. Uh And so I went to one of the studios in Denver and I had two services done. I had a hard wax service and a soft wax service because at Wax in the City, we have two separate waxes. Mm -hmm. So, and I was astonished at how different the experience was. It was not only did my skin love the wax and I did not look like a pluck chicken after my service. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I had very little irritation. It didn't, my skin didn't feel raw. Um, it didn't, it definitely didn't hurt as much. It was comfortable. I was comfortable going through the whole service process. And I literally, I walked out of the service and I was like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. So So, tell me a little bit about after that. Like, so like, I would love to kind of just go into what it's like opening like a franchise business, especially in like the waxing industry, because you, you know, were going into a new area where this did not exist. And it was mm -hmm. in 2000 and you said 15. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me like a little bit about this, because obviously it was successful because you have a couple more. Yes. It was successful. It is still successful. I call it luck, but it was definitely a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, building out and opening our first studio in Boston was extremely difficult. Um, I think just the build out process is difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dealing with so many different entities. Um, you're dealing with the aesthetics cosmetology board. You're dealing with the you know, city building codes and those licensing issues, you're dealing with contractors, everything is pretty much out of your hands. Right. And nothing that you have control over. (laughs) And with it, when it came to like buying the franchise, I'm assuming that this came with like a how to do XYZ, like how to get through like this contractor, you know, because it would have to, right? Because that they're really what they're doing is setting up a foundation of success. So they set up a foundation of success for you, absolutely. But there is a lot that you still have to do on your own because a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, all the locations are in different states. Mm-hmm. There's different rules in every state for build outs and opening a business and all that stuff. So they help you with as much as they can. But there's, you know, you got to find your own contractor. You have to manage that contractor. Um, and then the licensing and all that kind of stuff, that's completely separate you know, so there's challenges throughout the process. It's, it's not easy. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone that it's easy. It's not. Mm -hmm. Um, but is it worth it? That's a different story. (laughs) 
So once you have your first franchise location um, at this point, did you say you went to aesthetic school or no? No. So I actually opened the first location still not being a licensed esthetician. But but you ended so, up getting your license. I did, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, go, go tell me a little bit about that. Once, so the first location opened, I was still not an esthetician. And we hired our first six serologists. At one before, time. At one time before oh the studio even <laughs> opened. Okay. At that time, the way training was done was we would send our estheticians or our serologists. They weren't serologists yet because they didn't go through training, but mm-hmm. so we would send them out to Denver and Waxing the City had a training center there. And they actually got to train with Summer and Alex. That's cool. Yeah. Cause you were very early on. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we sent six girls out. This was in March of 2016. So the build out process from the time we flew out to Denver for that first like discovery day, they call it where we got to meet everyone and see if we like the franchise to the time to when we sent the girls out to Denver for training was about a year. So it took us that long to find a location, start the build out. We were still in build out phase. We were getting close to opening, but we were still in build out phase when we sent the girls to Denver for training. So they trained there for a week, came back. We were delayed with opening because of licensing, um, building licensing and that kind of stuff and construction. So Finally, we opened in the very end of April of 2016. Mm -hmm. And again, I was there, you know, I was obviously an owner, but I was managing the studio, still not being an esthetician. And I didn't love it. I did not love not being able to step in when needed. Um, And also, you know, especially in the beginning, if someone called out or was, you know, or quit or whatever, we were very much in a situation where I couldn't help out. And I always wanted to, you know, be like, I wanted to do services, but just timing wise, um, we didn't know, like, was I going to be able to take that time to go to school and get my license and how it was all going to work. So we just went with me managing first. And I quickly saw that it didn't work that well for me. So about two years in, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to step away from the studio. And I'm going to go to school to aesthetic school for um, full time. And I'm going to get my license and then I'm going to go and I'm going to train. And um, I actually ended up going to train in Minnesota because since then they had opened up another training center at the corporate offices. Uh-huh. So I went out there to train and I've been waxing since. 
Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, honestly, like having somebody who can go into the rooms, like you said, and really be like a 360 um, resource for serologists are amazing. Um, And then once you did have your location in Massachusetts, so it's been, you said two years, you got your license and I'm assuming the um, studio is doing really well. When was like a point in time where you were like, okay, I could rinse and repeat the same process now another time and then again another time? So the next two studios, I actually took over existing studios. Okay. So they were already open. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, the, the my second studio, but the first edition is also Massachusetts. It's in Cambridge. And with that studio, what happened was the owners, it was during COVID and that studio had only been open for a little bit, um, a couple of years at that point. And with my first studio, I know it took us about two and a half years to get out of the red, you know, to actually start seeing a little bit of profit. It was right, about right. two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Cambridge studio was kind of in the same position and the owners just didn't love managing their staff. So they asked me if I wanted to buy the studio from them. And at that point it was middle of COVID. I was like, "Mm, I don't know if that's such a great idea right now (laughs) because Massachusetts was pretty much shut down. Um, I think when they approached me about it, our studios hadn't even reopened post COVID. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's like such a scary decision to make. Exactly. And I was just like, "Mm, I don't know about that. I don't think I can take on another studio. And in all honesty, I just, I didn't know where my studio was going to end up, you know, how we were going to shake out after all of that. And so they ended up asking me, they said, all right, well, will you help us manage our studio? And then we can you know, figure out if you do want to buy it, if things start to bounce up, you know, bounce back. So I agreed to do that. So I, I went in and I started managing the studio for them. And then uh, and that I was there managing their staff for about a year. And mm-hmm. then I ended up buying it. Okay, which so- worked out really well, because then I already I had, you know, I had a uh, a relationship with the staff there already. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to say that was probably me. really helpful I was used to them. Yes. Yeah. It was very helpful. And also, you know, at that point I came in as an esthetician already. So that was a lot easier because I will say once I became an esthetician and I really knew kind of, I understood better how my serologist felt about certain things, you know, mm-hmm. like my understanding for them as far as like a no show was complete, you know, was completely different. Or if they were running behind things like that, you know, as a manager, not being in the room and doing that service, I was like, well, I don't understand. Like, why, why did you run behind or why, you know, just, I didn't understand without being in it. I don't think you understand. (laughs) There's just so much I know. And that's so true. I do feel like a lot of like, you know, of like the, I guess the other franchise, I don't know, we're like just keeping it at that name, but like 
I think the big problem is, is that there is like a lot of manager positions of people that Mm -hmm. like they don't understand. And so it can be really frustrating, I'm sure for, you know, people that are waxing and having like issues and then having such a structure where they're told to do three services in 15 minutes, which is crazy, right? I mean, but like, and if they run four minutes behind and like someone doesn't understand, like that's a problem. Now it's one thing if they do understand and they want to work, do three services in 15 minutes, like fine, that's crazy, but Uh you do you. But yeah, like, so I think that that is like where that misses probably. And it's nice to see that and hear you explain it because it is true. I do think there's a power in being an esthetician and knowing from experience, like where someone is coming from with X, Y, Z. Absolutely. And honestly, my relationship with my staff changed. And, and I mean, I I think I told you when we met in person, it, because you met my managers also. Uh-huh. I mean, they've been with me for years. You know, um, one of them has been with me for almost seven years and the other one for about four years. Uh-huh. So I feel like that's eternity in aesthetic years. It's in, it is. I was going to say, I know when I was like seeing the, or hearing the stories of like people being at the studios for so long, I'm like, that's Uh so crazy. Like it's not that common for people to stick around into somewhere, somewhere like this for this many years. Yeah, absolutely. So it's great because you do, you build that relationship with them. And now that I'm not in the studio every day, I have, you know, they have my full trust. Like I Mm -hmm. trust them to make the right decisions. I trust them to run the studio. Um, but that relationship was built over years. And I think a lot of it had to do with me putting myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. No, so. totally. And now you're in Florida where you just opened your third location. Congratulations. Is um, same situation. Did you do a build out? What's the story with the third location? So third location, same thing. It was, it's actually in Virginia beach Mm -hmm. and it was a studio that opened about the same time as my Boston location. So they've been open for a while, but the studio just needed new ownership and it was almost presented to me as a joke because (laughs) like who's crazy enough to buy a studio in a completely different state that you don't live in or already have other businesses in or you visit ever. So it was kind of a joke. And I was like, but wait, that's not such a bad idea. Because I knew that that studio, it was very successful in the beginning. And then just with, you know, back end ownership stuff, it kind of fell and wasn't doing so well. Um, and it just, the opportunity presented itself and we went down to, um, Virginia beach one day, Mm -hmm. like flew down and just made the decision right there. We're like, all right, let's do this. (laughs) You're like, I can Um, live in Florida sometimes like for part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, it's along the same coast so I'm either flying past it and I'm flying past Virginia Beach in either direction why not add a stop yeah yeah because this is it you're right this is in Virginia Beach yeah yeah Yeah. okay okay but okay so why did you pick Florida then did had you already had a place here no so we 
uh, we bought a place in Florida in January with before we even knew that Virginia Beach was going to be part of our studios. So we just picked it because we were sick of the cold. Um, my daughter was starting high school this year and it felt like if we were going to move, it was either going to be before she started, like, so she could start high school somewhere new mm-hmm. or it was going to be, you know, four years down the line. And so we brought her down to Florida and she was like, oh no, I want to move here. Let's do this. <laughs> That's amazing. Cause me, I had like the opportunity to move to Florida when I was younger and I was like, hell no, I wanted to be with my friends. And now the yeah. irony is I live in Florida and my parents are still in Illinois. Like, cool. We're really glad you chose that for yourself later. <laughs> Yeah, I would not, I would have been just like you. If my parents told me that in eighth grade that I was moving, I would have been like, nope, you guys can go without me. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter has a sense of like this self-esteem that I don't know where it came from because I was, I was not like that <laughs> when I was a teenager, but she was, she just has this mindset of, you know, she's like, I'll make friends there. I'll make new friends. I have my friends here and then I'll make friends up down there and I'll have friends everywhere. I mean, and I was like, God, that's amazing. I, I wish I'm, I thought like that. I'm still not like that. So. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> so maybe I'm your next either. destination will be just buying other people's franchises. <laughs> I will tell you, it is a lot easier than opening one from scratch. Right. I mean, you're probably at this point because you did the like the really hard work in the very, very beginning from open to or from like ground up, literally that you this probably seems although I'm sure it's still hard, but seems easier. It is. I mean, you save yourself a year of headache, basically. Yeah. Of the build out process. Right. But you have to pick up the pieces in other ways. So I'm sure I'm sure other challenges get pushed your way, you know? Absolutely. Because you're coming into an existing team with their kind of existing culture and their existing problems. And also, you know, they don't know you. So you're building trust and it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time for sure. You're not going to go into buying an existing studio and, um, have it be a cakewalk. There's a lot of work to be had, you know, to be done. And it's really right now my focus because I just took over Virginia Beach in basically the very end of June. Mm-hmm. So it's only been a couple months. And I mean, right now our main focus is just building that team and building the trust and just building everything back about that studio. Um, a lot of my time is spent, you know, coaching the managers, coaching the serologists, because in the end, I always tell them, I said, you know, your success is my success without you guys. I don't have a business and without the business, you guys don't have jobs, right? right. It all kind of goes hand in hand. Um, cause I think, I think sometimes especially where people work at a place, um, you know, at a studio where the owners are not hands-on, they don't feel that they're understood. The, The serologists don't feel that they're understood. They don't 
a lot of times feel, um, I guess, appreciated just because mm-hmm. the understanding isn't quite there. So that's pretty much what I've been working on is just establishing that with them. So going really back to like the overall picture of your journey and, you know, being an esthetician, which I think is really important as you like answer this next question, but you know, where do you stand with like the, the esthetician who just finished school and, you know, wants to own their own business, but is, you know, excited about the idea of like a plan like this being, you know, given to them as an opportunity. So like, what do you, what is your advice for somebody who maybe does want to start like a franchise location? I mean, I say go for it. There's there's benefits to a franchise and there's benefits to being an independent, um, owning an independent studio or even just working for yourself by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's benefits and drawbacks to everything. Obviously, with a franchise, you do get a blueprint and they really, for the business, and they really do try to set you up for success. You have a lot of support, but you also have a lot of restrictions, right? Mm-hmm. there's only certain services that you can do. There's only certain products that you can use. Uh, you know, you're restricted to things like mar- what you do with your marketing. So there's restrictions, absolutely. But I think if you find a franchise that you can connect with and you're you know, your goals are the same, your values are the same, then I think you'll be successful there. Um, But if your values and the franchise values don't interconnect, then there's going to be, you know, issues there because you're going to try and fight that. (laughs) Well, and exactly. And I I really actually love like the perspective that you gave on that, because it's, it's true with anything that you do, if you don't have that great alignment with the other thing across the way, like for me, like I love fur. And so therefore I've like Mm -hmm. emerged myself in the fur culture because I love it so much. And if you don't have that to a brand um, that you are setting yourself up with, like, cause the end of the day, like they're setting you up with success, but you have to also see the success in the the whole picture. And yeah, if you don't, if you don't see yourself in, in the franchise world, like loving it, emerging in it, um, embracing it, then maybe independent is for you. But if you're somebody who loves the culture, loves the values and loves what waxing the city brings, like I said, I met Alex and summer and I've actually done trainings with them and they're really good people. So if you, you know, get the chance to really dive in with a franchise and, and that seems to align, like I love that advice that you just gave is like, you can do it and be successful in that route too. So um, bringing you on was so cool because I got to, you know, I have a ton of independent people on, which I'm so thankful that every single one of you guys give me the time of day, (laughs) but I am, you know, was really intrigued and excited to bring on somebody who did choose like a franchise way, which is like the more blueprint given to you, but still such hard work. And the reward is really big because again, like going from independent, you have to build to six serologists, whereas you just said you opened up a business and hired six immediately. So, you know, um, that's really cool. I mean, it's not that it can't be done, but I think that you having a blueprint sets yourself up for being able to coach these people in a better way. And it's also scary because, you know, I remember that day where I was like, oh my God, we have to hire six people we don't even know if we're going to have clients to support those six people. You know, Mm -hmm. we always joke around. um, 
one of my managers that has literally been there from day one. She's been, she was one of my first employees and she was right out of school then, you know, she was right out of school and she's, when we have new girls come in, when we hire new serologists, she's like, let me tell you, I remember sitting here, you know, for an eight hour shift with two clients on my books and just Mariana kept telling me, just stick with it, stick with me, we'll get you there. And I mean, now, you know, she's a manager, she has a full book. And when I say full book, like, if you don't book with her a month in advance, you're not getting an appointment with her. Like if you don't rebook, you're not going to see her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think part of our success is that we really work with our serologists because especially the ones that are coming out of school, I, this is, I've been finding this a lot lately in hiring because hiring is one of our biggest challenges right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually, I am understaffed at the Boston and Cambridge studios right now. And we've had a lot of turnover with new serologists that come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've kind of figured it out. I think when they're in school, I don't believe the schools are setting realistic expectations for estheticians coming out of school, you know, coming out of school mm-hmm. as far as earning potential goes. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a lot of people that come in and expect to have a full book of business, like as soon as they're done training. And that takes time. It takes it does time. Take time. It takes effort. It mm-hmm. takes consistency. So that's that's our challenge right now. And I don't sugarcoat when we interview. You know, we tell them it's gonna it's gonna be work. You're not gonna come in here on day one unless you're starting like the week before Fourth of July, <laughs> right? Literally, maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and have a full book of business. Um, so we've had a couple of people leave mm-hmm. recently that only gave it like a month or two and they go to the other franchise mm-hmm. because and it's, it will be know. the same thing there. I mean, the yeah. thing that, just at the end of the day, like, I mean, I didn't build my books up for a whole year. And so mm-hmm. that was something that I remember very like, um, well is like, I had two clients in a whole day. Like I could pull my books yeah. up and show that, you know, it's, it takes time. It does take time and, you know, it's not easy for anybody, right? It's like even as like a owner, as a manager, as a serologist, like there's always times where, you know, one is struggling to find, you know, your clientele because you're trying to align with a certain person. Like you have to meet personalities. They have to mesh. Like there's so much that gets involved in in who your clients end up being. But then it's really great and rewarding because once that year goes through, you have all of your clients, you start to build up like your name, your books. Mm-hmm. You are like, it's like your, you know, your ego goes up like a ton because now you're like your manager who, if you don't rebook with her, you're not getting in. And that feels really good to get there. Absolutely. And I think the formula that we found that works best is if someone, no matter when you start with us, if you can make it through two summers. So like, even if you start like beginning of the summer and then make it through the next summer you're golden. Like mm-hmm. that is the time frame that you need, right? If you start now, you still want to get to the two summers. That's when you see, I feel like your biggest 
potential really kind of come to fruition mm-hmm. in the industry is just that time frame um, l- allows you to build your client base and have those clients that are coming in to see you every four weeks. And once that, you know, are going to, if you're on vacation, they're going to wait for you. If, you yeah. know, there, you just, you need that time. Um, but also you need that time to, for yourself to work on your craft. You know, it really is a craft and people are just like, Oh, you're just pulling hair out. No, you're not just pulling hair. Out. I know. And training someone that comes from somewhere else and then explaining to them, you know, well, we do this like this because, and they're like, Oh, well that makes sense. But no one really like talks about that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I loved about waxing the city right from the beginning was they really care about the client experience and client comfort. So that's extremely important to me when I'm hiring and training new staff. Yeah. I mean, I like love that perspective and I love that you're, you know, taking on other like franchise locations that maybe didn't get like the love and care that it needed. And you seem at like from all the times, you know, we've talked that you do care and like you have, you know, managers have have been there long term. And I think that's enough to say, you know, the success of being able to run a business and also have employees. So congratulations on that. Um, and thank you so much for coming on here. I like genuinely appreciate, you know, your time and you also are repping like a chartreuse, um, shirt. So I have to point that out. Chartreuse is one of my favorite colors. Literally. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like chartreuse is for everything. If you can see my background, it's like, you can see (laughs) it like poking everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) I I still have my first scrunchie that I'm obsessed with. I'm like, I have it in. <laughs> yep. Great color. Oh, amazing. Well, um, tell everybody like where they can see the franchise location, Instagram, or if you want to share your own stuff, um, feel free to jot that in now. Absolutely. So my personal Instagram is under the drape. Um, and from there, my waxing the city locations are linked. Um, and it was the way it kind of, fell into that name is every time I went into a service, I was like, hmm, you never know what's under the drape. <laughs> <laughs> I love like the clever so, Instagram names that come from estheticians. <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's, that's when I train my girls, I'm always like, you never know what's under the drape. We got to prepare you for everything. That's so it's true. under the drape on Instagram. Um, and there I, you know, I'm, I'm building that. I really kind of started focusing on more on myself with that, um, since stepping away from the studio. Um, but I talk about, you know, services there, just running the business in general, silly stuff. Um, my dogs, my dogs are on there a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love that. And hopefully be at the waxing the city conference next year. If you liked this episode, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can get all future episodes sent straight to your phone. And if you loved this episode, then please head over to Apple to write me a review so others can find me as well. Thanks for listening and I will see you next week.